Welcome to the Website Coach Podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs and small business owners that want a winning website, one that attracts more visitors and helps them book more clients. I'm Marie Brown, a website designer and business strategist, and I'll be sharing simple and actionable tips to help you create a winning website. So let's get started. So welcome to another episode of the Website Coach Podcast. And this week, I'm very excited to have another guest for you. So we have Steph Caswell. And Steph is the author of six nonfiction books. I don't know how you found time to write six. And she's also a writing coach and developmental editor at Creating Happy Writers. She works with service-led business owners who want to write and publish books in their niche, aiming to take away the overwhelm and make the writing journey a happy one. I guess that's where your name came from. Steph is also a copywriter and an aspiring children's author. So first of all, Steph, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. You're very welcome. And I know I've just given an introduction, but can you explain in your own words what your business is and what it is exactly that you do and how you got started? Because I know that you haven't always done this. I haven't always done this. Um, I started out my, uh, I guess, career as a teacher. I was a teacher for about 15, 16 years and decided then that uh, during that time I wanted to write a book for teachers and I wrote a book called Keeping Bums in Seats, which was a book about behaviour management for newly qualified teachers because at that point I was a deputy head and I knew that lots of teachers were struggling, particularly in their first year or so of teaching, to manage a class. So I thought to myself, I'm saying the same things over and over again to people, so I may as well just write them down in a book. Now, make it sound very flippant and straightforward. It was not. It was very painful <laughs> and um, took a lot of effort and a lot of attempts to get this book written. I did and published it in 2015. And then I subsequently wrote two more for teachers, again, for those in the first year or so. And so I had three. Well, 2017, I think I'd done all three of them. And then sort of I left Deputy Headship and started working part-time as a teacher and really decided writing was going to be something I wanted to pursue. At that point, it wasn't anything to do with supporting other writers. It wasn't anything to do with editing. It was purely I wanted to write a couple more books, which I did. They were ghostwriting for um, an Australian publisher in the personal development space. Uh, but I loved it, absolutely loved it. And I slowly made the transition to become a writing coach, supporting other people who were looking to do the same sort of thing I'd done and were facing the same sort of battles, I suppose, both, I guess, mentally in terms of your confidence and your self-belief in what you have to say, but also the structure and logistical side of writing. Because when you're starting out, you have no idea what it all entails. Mm. And I thought, actually, I've been through this process five times and Earlier this year, I published book six and decided, yeah, that was going to be what I used to then start supporting more people to do what I'm doing now, which is, to, yeah, to help them write their books. And have you found it's got easier throughout the process as you've written six books? Much easier, yeah. I find nonfiction far more straightforward to do because you're not having to think of plot twists and character development or character arcs and all the other joy that comes with fiction writing. Uh, so for me, I found a structure that seemed to apply to most fiction books, not all, but most. And 
I then use that structure in my own books, but also when I'm supporting others. So it's very bespoke what I do to, to each individual author, because I believe that there is no one size fits all completely. Essentially, you are making sure that your reader is going on a journey of discovery, of transformation, of new knowledge sometimes, and you're the person guiding on that journey. So you need to know where they are at the beginning of that journey and where you want them to be by the time they've finished reading a book. It sounds a bit like a website, actually. <laughs> you take yeah. somebody who doesn't know what they're, much about what it is that you do and you end up with, if they're the right person for your product or service, actually you know, going on to take the next logical step. So yeah, I'd never thought about it that way before. Um, and so why, if somebody is a small business, um, why should they write a book? What can it do for their business? It can do lots of things, if I'm honest, and things that maybe people don't think about the start. So often people that I work with and myself included in this, I write the books that I feel I've been carrying around within me for a little while. And often I, I work with people and they say, oh, I've been thinking of this book idea and I've been thinking about it for months, maybe even years. And they maybe have a podcast, maybe they have a membership, maybe they have blog posts that they've written for years that they want to sort of pull together into a book. And the reason that I think it's a great for for anybody who's in a service-based business is mainly because it gives you a chance to showcase your expertise more than one place. And sometimes when we're in our business and we're focusing so hard on what we do, we're giving information very readily in very fragmented ways. So it might be on social, or it might be a blog post, it could be a podcast episode. But actually a book allows you to bring all of that together in one place so mm -hmm. that you can say to people, look, I've got lots of ideas for you advice, inspiration, and it's all in one place that you can read from start to rather than having to pick their way through your content as it currently is. And can you sort of do that in terms of taking, she says, as somebody who's got 60-odd blog posts on her website, um, can you literally pick up a, a comprehensive blog and reorder it and sort it and presumably put some links into it so that the whole process of writing a book is not a case of sitting down with a blank piece of paper and starting from, from scratch. I think you absolutely can do that. And I often urge all the authors that I work with to look at what they already have because sometimes people think I'm writing a book it has to be completely new information or new, newly put out and put together. And it doesn't because lots of people, in fact, most people that I work with have, like you say, even a blog that they've been really contributing to for years or um, even condensed into you know a few months but they've been really working at it mm -hmm. or they've got memberships or workshops that they've done where they've got lots of notes they've taken and things where they've done research already and it's just about putting it together in a structure that makes sense for the reader because the reader is the most important person when you are considering writing a book but I, I often say to people the way to cover a blank page problem is to look at what you have. And it will, it will need polishing, it will need putting together in a way that makes sense. But if you've gone a lot of stuff already, you, you know, by all means, let's use it. And an awful lot of certainly service-based business owners have that, but it's in very fragmented forms. I'm a big fan of blogging and tell a lot of my clients and people I know that blogging is great because it can be, but I always think of it the other way around, that it can be repurposed into smaller chunks for example, to social media. Blogging is great on its own for SEO purposes, 
and for showing your expertise, but it can be chunked down further for social media. So you've got loads of content for social media, but I guess it can also be consolidated then into, into a book as well. Definitely, definitely. And quite often that reassures people that you don't have to start with a completely blank page with completely new ideas that you, you're, you think maybe I shouldn't use my blog because people have already read it. And if we think about the amount of information we consume on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, it's very unlikely that somebody would remember one of your blog posts if it featured as a chapter or part of a chapter in your book. And actually, even if they did, it would be just great to reread it because a lot of that evergreen content is so useful for people to reread and to get even more information from when they're reading maybe from a different space. Because sometimes you might reread a book, for example, and you take from it something that you didn't take before because you're in a place maybe in your head or in your business and you are able to kind of absorb new things that maybe you didn't notice the last time. Yeah, absolutely. And I must admit, often I can't remember what I've written in a blog post. So <laughs> certainly if somebody's reading it, whether they would they would uh, remember it or not. Um, and if somebody, you know, was thinking about this, you know, one of the things I've certainly been told is how much more credibility you can have a book in itself. But maybe you can talk about the opportunity for making money just from the book and the, and the commercial viability of writing a book, but also you know, what else it can bring in terms of the credibility it can add to, to you as a, as a small business person. Sure. I think most people, and this is a, an interesting conversation I happened to be having recently with someone, was around those people that, who have maybe books that we admire. So I was thinking of, um, for example, uh, there's a business coach entrepreneur called Marie Forleo, and she wrote a book, Everything is Figure Outable. And we, we were talking, not Marie and I, I wish, but um, the person I was talking to, we, we were talking about how um, it just elevated her to that very next level. So she was already doing pretty well within her area, within her niche, and it just catapulted her to that next level. And I think books can do that because if you say to somebody, I'm an author, written this book, instantly people are interested. Because to be an author is still, even if you're self-published or traditionally published, it's still an element of um, a kudos, I suppose, to being an author and to say, I've done this. And instantly people want to know more. So you'll get invited to talk on podcasts um, and to do masterclasses and to do um, workshops and things like that, which all add to your business income. And I like to think of a book as sort of people dipping their toe into working with you. So it might be that they're not quite ready to work with you one-to-one or to do your group program. But if you can offer them something which is lower priced, which isn't a risk for them to purchase, like a book, they can actually get a lot of your knowledge and expertise, but they're not having to do the big risk factor of spending a lot of money with you yet. But inevitably, that would lead to some people thinking, actually, I want to know more from this person. Okay, I want to work with them and have them help me in the way they're describing in this book. So, you know, a book isn't, is unlikely to make you millions because, you know, just by the sheer nature of them, they, unless you happen to be the Mel Robbins of the world who, who did a very successful job of self-publishing her first book and then went on to do brilliant things as a result. They are one of those things that can be a lovely addition to your business, but will expand it in lots of other ways. So I've spoken to authors before who've got consulting gigs off the back of their books, Mm -hmm. um, who have been really successful with in areas they never thought imaginable. I think I remember speaking to Sarah Townsend, who wrote Survival Skills for Freelancers, 
And she was saying to me, she got um, offered opportunities with universities to talk to graduates about the freelance world and what it meant to be a freelancer. And she said, I never ever would have thought that that would have come up for me. But she said, it's such a fascinating door opened and she's, she's been supporting locally to her um, colleges and universities with those sorts of skills and are needed. Yeah, it's amazing where it can take you. And if somebody decides that actually, I, I think I would quite like to write a book, um, how would they get started? Is it a case of you start by writing your book or are there other things that you need to do first when you've got the idea and maybe the outline of, of what you might do? What, what, are the, what are the initial steps that you would need to take? So I would say you definitely need an outline. So I would, I always encourage people never just to write um, just off the back of an idea without having some sort of structure to it. Because the work I do as a developmental editor is often people come to me when they're halfway through and they haven't got, they didn't do an outline. They just started writing and they're now in a position where they're incredibly lost and incredibly frustrated because they don't really know whether it's all making sense and it's all just a big jumble in their heads and they feel very frustrated. So if you are thinking of writing a book and you have an idea, I would say the first thing to do is what I affectionately call the brain dump, which is just to, to just brainstorm everything you are thinking about about this book. Because if you hold it in your head for a long time, it can feel very overwhelming. So just get it all out on paper. And then what I tend to do, even with my books, is I just do a big spider diagram on a, a big A3 sheet of paper, maybe A2 actually, because it's quite a big thing. And I then just literally start circling things, grouping things together on the common themes, um, which then loosely become the chapters. Um, and then I'd work on those chapters and think to myself, okay, within this theme, this chapter, what do I want to include? And I just do bullet points, just jot ideas down, but it gives me a very loose, basic outline that I can write from. Otherwise, yeah, you'll get to a point where you, you're just completely overwhelmed with what you've done and you can't really see a way forward. And, and at what point would you start to speak to publishers? Um, or obviously you can self-publish as well, I guess. Is that when you've got the outline or is that when you've actually written the book or half written the book? The great thing with um, non-fiction writing, business books, those sorts of things is actually publishers by a concept. So you would go to them with your outline and you'd need a quite a detailed synopsis of what your book is about. Um, you would need to be able to demonstrate that you've already got an audience that interested in what you've got to say. So what your, your email list is like. Um, what your social media following is like. So they are, because obviously they're running a business, so they need to make sure that it's going to, going to get a return on their investment. But if you go to them with your outline, you're then they will then look at that and decide whether the concepts and what you're hoping to write will be a book they would be willing to sell. Um, and then they would say, okay, off you go and write it. But in fiction, it's different. Fiction you have to have already written your book before you approach them. So it's, it's, it's different uh, depending on whether you're doing fiction or Oh, that's interesting. I never thought about there being a difference between the two different types. And is approaching a publisher something that anybody can do or is it useful to you know, use an agent or some other professional to help you get a publishing deal if you decide to go down the traditional publisher route? I would say depends on the publishing house. So if you're going for a smaller independent publishing house, by all means, you can approach them directly. 
Um, and it's, I suppose, like any sort of business transaction, if they wanted to work with you to have a contract, um, which you then obviously need to get any advice to, to make sure that you're signing, you're signing your life away. Um, but with bigger publishing houses, for sure you would need an agent um, because they do not accept unsolicited manuscripts, which are ones that you just pop in the post and wish for the best. Um, they they only look at agented manuscripts. So you would need to make sure that you've got somebody who is, you are approaching people who are, I guess, experienced in your particular niche area. Mm-hmm. Um, so they know the best people to approach. Yeah. And when it comes to writing a book, where do people tend to get stuck? I mean, when I say writing, I mean the whole sort of process of from idea to actually getting published. Where do people tend to get stuck? Tends to be in the first draft because it's a very long, uh, lonely process writing a first draft because no one, even if you're traditionally published, nobody will be really checking up on you on a regular basis, they will say to you, if you go to traditionally published, they will give you a date that they would like uh, a draft by. If you are self-publishing, nobody is doing it for you. Um, so you're having to really work hard on your own habits to make sure that you are finding time to write consistently. Because when you have nobody making you accountable for what you're doing, it's one of those things, writing, where you can easily feel very overwhelmed and just think to yourself, particularly when you're right in the middle, you know, why am I doing this? Is, you know, should I really be doing this? This is so hard. I don't think I can do this. All of those things crop up. Even for people who've written six books, they still get those feelings, particularly because it's, it's just cognitively really hard work to constantly be producing uh, stuff that you feel is good enough and I always try and say to authors nobody's going to read your first draft nobody other than you so just allow it to be rubbish allow it to be something that you wouldn't even dream of showing your dog your copy of your first draft you know because then it frees up that level of expectation you're not being too hard on yourself because you've allowed yourself to know it's going to be rubbish and then only then can you make it something brilliant by editing it and polishing it over your subsequent drafts but yeah the first draft is always the one that people find challenging that that doesn't surprise me it's so much easier to edit I always find anyway than to actually write in the first place because there is nothing worse than a blank sheet of paper it's uh, scary I must admit I'm in awe of anybody who can write a book because I don't think I could get past just that that fear of the blank sheet of paper. And what about when it comes to marketing the actual book itself? And obviously, there will be a difference, I guess, depending upon whether you have a publisher or or self-publish. But how do you market a book? Because obviously, you do need, you might not be doing a book specifically for the money that a book would bring in, but you do need people to buy it in order to get the word out there as to what you do. Yeah, I think I was recently part of a launch for a Sunday Times bestseller. And I found the whole process extremely interesting from somebody who is a very big name within their, with their publishing house and in their niche. And what I came to learn is that you can never talk enough about your book if you want to sell it. And I didn't really consider that as much as I consider it now, having been through that process with one of the big five publishing houses. And having to have weekly 
updates on book sales and pre-orders and deciding off the back of what was working in the marketing strategy and what wasn't working. And the biggest thing I realized and having to constantly be putting content out for this author was that I felt I couldn't, to the point where I thought, I, I can't read it. I can't read another post about this. I can't write another post about this <laughs> because I genuinely feel like I just I never want to see it again. Um, and I, to be fair to him, I don't know how he went through loads and loads of interviews saying the same thing over and over again about the book, but became a sanitized bestseller. It was number one on Amazon um, for a period of time. So it worked. I guess for me, that's my biggest piece of marketing advice is you have to talk about it a lot, a lot. Even if you feel like you've spoken about it so much that you, you just don't want to ever see it again, you haven't spoken about it enough because there will always be somebody who didn't see that post or somebody who didn't read that email. So you have to just keep plowing on and talking about it. And, and I, from my sort of experience with that, with that publishing experience, should I say, um, was that I don't talk about my books enough and I have to make myself do it. And, I, and I'm someone who's got, you know, written six books mm. and I'm still on that sort of realisation with the marketing thing. Um, but as you said, even if you are traditionally published, the publishing house will want to know whether you have a market out there who's ready to buy. Because if you're a debut author with a publishing house, they will expect you to do a lot of the marketing yourself. So you have to be, even if you're, it's no guarantee just because you're traditionally published that a lovely marketing department is going to sweep in and do it for you. It is very unlikely because they put most of their finances and resources into the big names within, you know, within their author teams. So either way, you're going to have to do the marketing. So get, get a good understanding of, you know, who your book is for and be turning up in the right places for people to hear about it. And I know we'll come on to a book recommendation later, but there is a great book called The One Page Marketing Plan by Alan Dibb. And um, that is a great sort of simple, straightforward way of thinking about marketing in business in general, but also when it comes to being an author, you can adapt a lot of what he says into your author marketing. That's really good advice. And I know I've certainly heard it said before that the only person who reads every single post you put out is yourself because other people just don't see it. You might think that you are putting out far too much, but nobody else will see every single post. It's only you. So you have to think if somebody saw, I don't know, 5% of your posts or something like that, then is it enough? Um, and often it isn't. So that's, uh, that, that's really good advice. And when it comes to your business, so your business in terms of coaching, um, authors, how do you find clients and, and what marketing platforms do you use in particular and, and how do you use them? I get a lot of my clients through referrals, actually, um, because what I do is quite niche, um, or probably very niche. And so when people are talking about books, they tend to say, oh, actually, I know somebody who coaches people to write books. Mm. So I've, I'm very lucky in that fact that I get quite a few referrals from people, business coaches that I know and people like that, who tend to, on their coaching calls with clients, their client will say, one of my goals is to write a book. And I'd be like, oh, I think that I know someone who does that. Um, so that, that for me, I feel very fortunate to be able to, to be on the receiving end of. 
I'm also an associate with um, an editing company, and so she, we do referrals to each other. Um, she's a copy editor, Jess. Uh, she actually was my editor for Dare to Write. She's fantastic. But we, yeah, we, we refer people to each other because she is at the very end stages of book writing and editing, and I'm right at the beginning, so it it's, works very well. Um, but in terms of social platforms, I tend to find... I'm I'm comfortable on Instagram because I like it as a platform. I've certainly uh, seen you on there, yes. <laughs> um, but I know that I need to be on this like LinkedIn more because there may well be more people who are looking to write books at, at the top of their career paths, if you like, uh, on that platform. I don't find it as uh, friendly as Instagram. It doesn't make me want to go there as much as Instagram does, but there are some fantastic people on LinkedIn so it's just about making myself step out of my own comfort zone and to go on but yeah those two are the the ones where I've had referrals off the back of is um yeah through coaches but also Instagram tend to get some people who inquire through Mm. the DMs on there because they see what I'm doing and maybe they've had an idea and something I've said has sparked them to actually begin the writing process Yes, you sound like me in terms of Instagram and LinkedIn in that I'm very comfortable on Instagram and get clients from it. LinkedIn, I I, I sort of dip in and out of. Um, I find it quite a scary place, but I had uh, Zoe Wongsom on the podcast a couple of episodes ago and um, she had really good advice actually on LinkedIn. So maybe next year <laughs> I yes. might join you back on there uh-huh. and see whether, see, see whether we uh, can finally make it work because it's one of those platforms that really should work for people like you and people like me in terms of where our ideal clients are, because I suspect our target audience is very similar, actually. Um, but yeah, it's it, it just seems not quite so friendly. It's, I feel like I'm in shark-infested waters sometimes when I when I go into LinkedIn. Definitely. Um, and I've got some quick questions that I want to ask you, but before I do that, can you let everybody know um, where best to find you in terms of your website and your social platforms? And indeed, please plug your books, all six of them. <laughs> Well, I'm not sure we've got that many teachers who need help with uh, on the podcast. Um, so my website is creatinghappywriters.com and I am Creating Happy Writers on Instagram. I am on Facebook um, and it's the same handle. And then LinkedIn is just my name, Steph Caswell. And yeah, so the, the latest book is probably the one that's most relevant to our listeners, which is called Dare to Write and it was published uh, in January 2022 so it's nearly coming up to its year anniversary uh, or book anniversary uh, so it's to design for people who have an idea for a book and it takes them step by step through that process of is the idea a good one and yes if it is thinking about who their ideal reader is and thinking about what they are hoping to provide that reader with because I'm a firm believer that the reader has to stay at the heart of what you're doing because sometimes we get so tempted to share our expertise that we can overwhelm the reader. So we have to make sure that what we're doing keeps them at the forefront and that we're not giving them so much information and come away feeling more confused than they were at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it also helps you to plan it, to outline it, to how to get through that horrible first draft without losing your mind completely. And then it talks about editing and all the way through to launching and marketing your book. So it's sort of a really comprehensive guide for people who are interested in, uh, in doing that maybe next year. 
That certainly seems like it. And I'm sure lots of people will have uh, write a book on their list of things to do in 2023. And I will put those links in the show notes for this episode as well. So a couple of quick questions. Um, I'd love to know what your favorite podcast or podcasts are. It doesn't have to be business related. Um, so, but it's always good to get good podcast re- recommendations. Sure. Well, I'm a big Mel Robbins fan. So recently she launched uh, the Mel Robbins podcast, uh, I think in October. So uh, that's one that I've been really enjoying just because uh, I love her work anyway. And it's just great to have those weekly episodes where we're getting a bit of Mel's insights. Mm. Um, Another, what I should should probably say, is Feel Better Live More, um, which I'm uh, lucky to be put off the team for that, which is great for inspirational guests, some really fantastic people to learn from. And I've learned a lot from the different people that have been on there, even before I worked um, as part of the team, uh, I used to listen to it as a listener. So um, I love that podcast too. But I also love them. Um, I'm a big history nerd. So I like You're Dead to Me. Uh, that's a history podcast. So uh, it's just, yeah, I like to range it up. I like to listen to some that just make me laugh, some that I find inspiring, but also others that, uh, that yeah, that are my interests outside of the writing. So yeah, those oh, are they're great recommendations. And you're probably the ideal person to ask for recommendations of business books that uh, that people should should read or listen to. Well, I, I was thinking about this question before and I part of what I believe actually helps business owners, um, yes, is to understand the fundamentals of business in terms of sales and marketing and things like that, which are all extremely important. And as I said, the one-page marketing plan by Alan Zip is, is great as is marketing made simple by Donald But I think more than the logistics of business own, being a business owner is the fact that you have to have the confidence and the courage for the, the discipline to do the things that will grow your business. And this year I've read a book by Ryan Holiday. Ryan is a fantastic writer. He um, has written, I think this might now well be four or five um, and I first got to know Ryan's work through a book called The Obstacle is the Way. Um, and his, his area of expertise is Stoic philosophy. And this year, um, I've read two of his books, but the one that I think is really useful is Courage is Calling. And it's one of the Stoic Virtues series where he looks at each of the virtues in turn. And the one around courage is, I think, really, really helpful for people in business. It's just about how to to be brave when things are tricky, times are tough, you're not maybe feeling things are going your way. And yeah, I, I learned a lot from that book. Well, that's really interesting. I've not, I've not heard of that book before, although I have, I'm sure I've heard of the author before. I'm sure I heard him interviewed on another podcast, I don't know, several months ago. So I don't know. Christmas is always a good time for getting uh, up to speed and reading a few more books. So sure. maybe, maybe I'll add that one to my list as well. And then finally, um, a piece of advice to anybody who's listening who is either running their own business or thinking of starting a business. I think it's for me is around being kind to yourself because often we have goals and we have aspirations and we aren't our own kindest a friend sometimes we speak the way we speak to ourselves and things when we things don't go right or we we try and run something and nobody turns up and all these sorts of things that are just part and parcel of 
being a business owner, we can be really hard on ourselves and blame ourselves for things that actually, if that happened to a friend of ours, we would treat them far more kindly and far more with far more understanding than we treat ourselves. So I think to be a business owner, yes, you have to be dedicated and you have to be hardworking and you have to have goals and things that you're working towards. But you also have to reflect on how far you've come and to congratulate yourselves on yourself on the milestones that come about that maybe you just don't even register. And it's about stopping and thinking, how far have you come the last few months or the last year? This is a great time of year to do that. So to just think to yourself, what have you learned? What, how are you different from the person that you were last year? And to, to celebrate the things you've done, big or small. That's really good advice. And, and I know certainly I have felt better about myself since at the, at the end of every day, I have a, a daily planner and I actually have a section in it, what have I achieved today? And when you get to the end of the week and your to-do list is longer than it was at the start of the week, it's very easy to beat yourself up and think I've done nothing. But actually, since just doing that one thing, it's made a, it's made a big difference actually to the fact that, you know, I can think, well, I have been achieving things. There might not yeah. always be like it at the end of the week, but. It has. And I just actually um, want to pick up on something else, which has been this week on Twitter, seeing the feedback given to, and I can't remember the name of the author, who went to a book signing and only was it two people turned up and seeing the kindness actually back from others in her industry that everybody, it seems like, has a story about the time that they, you know, two uh, had written a book and they were at some book signing and People, you know, just mistook them for the sort of the airport person who could tell them which gate it was or, or, or anything like that. And um, it's very easy in this world of social media to think everybody is doing so much better than you. But actually, world of business has ups and downs and you do need to be kind to yourself. Yeah, for sure. And that, that was, a, I, I love that Twitter thread. And sometimes, I mean, I don't tend to go on Twitter too much because it's quite shouty, but... That for me just was what social media should be all about. It's just people reaching out and saying, hey, don't worry, I had a book signing. And these are people like Stephen King, you know, who had nobody turn up uh, apart from one guy who asked him whether the shop sold flags. And he said, I was fifth. And I just thought, well, if Stephen King gets nobody showing up, then, you know, and there's hope for the rest of us to, to realize that these things happen to the big names uh, as well as the people who are just starting out. So. Absolutely. That's a great point, I think, to end this um, episode. So thank you ever so much for your time, Steph. That's been really helpful. I think everybody's got an awful lot out of it. Oh, thank you. And thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow or subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. And I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review. That makes a massive difference as to whether Apple shows my podcasts more widely. And head over to my website, beyondthekitchentable.co.uk, where you can find all the ways you can work with me, whether you're just starting out, looking to grow your business or scaling it. And see you next week.